You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. I'm John Donvan, host and moderator of Intelligence Squared U.S., Although widespread retail worker strikes failed to force an increase in the federal minimum wage in 2013, on the state level, the tide seems to be turning. Last week, 13 states started the new year by raising their minimum wages, and as many as 11 other states, plus Washington, D.C., are considering similar legislation in 2014. To shed some light on this evolving public debate surrounding wage gaps in the U.S., we are revisiting a debate that we staged last spring. Abolish the minimum wage. That evening, James Dorn of the Cato Institute and popular economist Russ Roberts argued for that motion. They faced Jared Bernstein from the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities and Karen Kornbluh, a former senior advisor to President Barack Obama. We have two teams of two arguing for and against abolishing the minimum wage. The side arguing for the motion, Russell Roberts and James Dorn, have said that uh, the minimum wage actually should be abolished. It should be abolished actually because it hurts the people that is trying to help, that it makes workers artificially more expensive, and that that is something that kills jobs. The team arguing against abolishing the minimum wage, in fact, they're saying that it should be raised, say that few policies have worked better uh, as designed over 75 years than this one. And they say they're making the moral argument that to abolish the minimum wage would pull the rug out from under millions of American families who are depending on it. I want to put a question to the side that is arguing to abolish the minimum wage in terms of impact. If the minimum wage were abolished today, effective tomorrow, what do you think would happen? How many people would see their wages go down drastically and immediately? Well, we, do, we can't answer that precisely. Russell Roberts. I, I certainly wouldn't uh, abolish it tomorrow. I'd want to phase it out. About 3.5 million workers today earn the minimum wage or less, but it's about 3.5 million workers. So some of those would have lower wages. And the real question is, is what else would employers do? What else would happen in the workplace if uh, workers uh, didn't have to be paid a legal minimum? And I think there'd be a lot more opportunity for those 3.4 million unemployed 16 to 24-year-olds that have had the rug pulled out from under them because we have a policy in place that makes them expensive. And I think that's a terrible mistake. Russell, in the, in the very short term, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to hone in on the point that Karen Kornblow is making that she says it would pull the rug out from people who depend on it now. Is that, an, is that accurate? Do you think that – I think you're talking about a longer-term process where well, employers adjust, but in the short term, would a lot of people be hurt very quickly? Well, I don't know. I think some employers would take advantage of the change in the law to lower wages. The question is what's the right way to help people who have low skills or who are struggling for all kinds of reasons, many of which are not their fault? We ought to fix our school system instead of trying to help people through this artificial method. If the artificial method worked, I'd be, it'd be great. All right, Jared Bernstein. Yeah, I want to respond to that. First of all, I, I think we, we have a disagreement about the numbers. 3.5 million hourly paid workers. That's correct. Correct. Okay, so you're leaving out at least 2 million salaried workers. Uh, salaried workers are not exempt from the minimum wage, so, so, so that number is wrong. Look, Russ is a friend of mine. I like Russ. 
but so we got the whole ad hominem thing worked out. You knew there was a right button. away. Okay. No, I, I like Russ a lot. Um, uh, but I am a, I, I am aghast to hear Russ say, "How many people would this hurt? Who would this hurt? How would it hurt them?" I don't know. That's what he just said. I don't know. You cannot, in good faith, in this economy, in any economy, talk about abolishing the minimum wage. Uh, and not know what its impact are, are going to be. That's way, way too reckless. Now, the idea that workers are hurt by this, the way Russ and Jim have argued, is belied by research that looks very carefully at changes in minimum wages across different economies and different groups. You can't just say um, black unemployment is high and we have minimum wages, therefore high minimum wages cause high black unemployment. Because we've had a period when we've raised the minimum wages in the 1990s, black unemployment came way down. So I'm not saying that it came way down because we had a higher minimum wage. I'm saying there are a lot of moving parts. And the best research compares uh, the impact of the minimum wage controlling for those moving parts. And that's what we've been citing. James May I Dorn. respond to my friend? Uh, let me have a <laughs> Let me bring in James Dorn, and then you guys can be friends later. Yeah, two points. Uh, if there's an excess supply of labor, low-skilled labor, and they can't get jobs, yeah, the minimum wage will come down, but the competition will be among the workers. Workers that have lower-valued alternatives, they can't get a job at the minimum wage, they will now have an opportunity to get a job. I think that's a very important point. Their wages will not stay low forever. Most of these workers are young. They will be in, they will get good work habits, they will learn things, the employers will eventually pay them more as their productivity goes up. You don't want to put the cart before the horse. I want to take the, the point that I think you're making to Karen Kornblue, and, and, and your opponents are basically saying that the people who are making the minimum wage would rather be making the minimum wage than less. They acknowledge, I think, uh, uh, Russell, um, acknowledge that some people would be hurt immediately in their pocketbooks, but they're also saying that lots of people are not on the minimum wage. They're not working. And I want to have you respond to that piece of their argument. Thank you, John, because um, I, I made the moral argument, but I think it's really important to get the economic argument right. And I think the economic argument sounds like it's on their side, but it's absolutely not. I like them both very much as well. <laughs> but I think good economics says uh, that you have to make sure that you're not ju- that you're actually looking at causality and that you're taking account of all of the variables. And what the economic studies really show is that there are a lot of other things that affect unemployment, and uh, and it's just overly simplistic but I'm, 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 I'm analysis actually, to say that it, that that the minimum wage actually. Um, produces unemployment even But in I'm teens. actually bringing to you a different part of their okay. argument, which is not the part of the argument where they're saying that it reduces employment. It's the part of their argument where they're saying it does no good for people who are not employed. I think what we need to focus on, though, for those people, and they've said it again and again, and I absolutely agree, and we can all go out agreeing on this, is we need to improve our education system. We need to get access to vocational education. We need to get access to higher education. That's what you need in the knowledge economy. And so I think we all agree on what we need to do for those people. Russell Roberts. Yeah, uh, I want to say something general about the empirical literature on the minimum wage. There have been uh, hundreds of studies uh, done on both sides. Uh, Actually, hundreds have found that the minimum wage reduces employment. That was the consensus among economists until the Carton-Kruger study in the 1990s. And that consensus has shifted somewhat. Now there are many economists who think that the effects are either small or minimal. Again, I would emphasize that small to me does not mean it's irrelevant. Small is still people's lives. But the point is that that both – uh, Just to clarify, does that mean you're conceding their point on the trends of the study now? 
Oh, no, the trend is definitely – there are definitely studies in respected journals that show little effect of the minimum wage on employment. And there are just as many studies on the other side saying, no, those studies are wrong. There's a big ideological gap between these two sides that we should be honest about because if the studies were great, they would win. They would convince people. But the reason they don't convince people is that the world is a complicated place as both Karen and Jared have said. So a lot of things going on at once and it's really hard to hold things constant. It gets a lot harder when the minimum wage affects a relatively small part of the population. I think that's a very fair fair assessment of the literature. Uh, The the other side keeps citing the work of David Newmark. I think David Newmark, he – you got sort of – Has everybody read the David Newmark? No, no. (laughs) And the hundreds of studies – so, so you've got, you know, the, I, I thought Russ described it well. You've got the Kruger and Card and a lot of other studies that show, you know, zero or slightly positive. David Newmark and others show slightly net. Now, I, I recently corresponded with Newmark about this because we did a study at the Center on Budget. We're doing a study. And we said, David, what, what should we plug in to accurately represent the job loss effects that you and, and our opposition believe are, are, occur because we want to be fair? Um, and, and he said – a, a 10% increase in the minimum wage will lead to a 1% decline in the employment of, of, of teenage workers. Now, if that occurs, that means that 99% of affected workers get a pay raise. Now, our opponents have consistently said if 1% uh, loses a, a job or loses hours of work, yet somehow 99% get a raise, it's a bad deal. That's just economically a, a very – a very misleading way Let's to hear see from this. Jim Dorn. Most of these in. studies look at the short run, what happens in a very short period of time, and there's mostly modest increases in the minimum wage. That would lead to modest decreases in employment. But if you look at the long run, longer period of time where businesses that are just making marginal profits uh, and they can't increase prices much, they're going to cut back on low-skilled workers. And all workers aren't the same. All teenagers aren't the same. Some are, have better work ethics and so forth. So these are the workers that are going to be retained and other workers are going to lose their jobs. This is the thing that I just like about the minimum wage. It puts government in between the employer and the worker. Uh, it politicizes the decision about employment. Instead of letting the worker who knows his or her alternatives the best come in and negotiate. Now, they might say the worker has no bargaining power. If that were, were true, you could pay the worker anything you wanted. But if you pay workers too low, you see help wanted signs. The part of your argument I want to take to the other side, and to use the phrase that his partner used, if you artificially make workers more expensive, then employers are going to adjust by not hiring them. That is a coherent, logical argument. And I, and I haven't heard you respond just sure. to the logic of that argument. It's, it's, that's a great question. Uh, it has to be empirically tested. You can't in economics. This is not this is not science. Uh, this is social science. It's different. And the tests that have been applied have been, um, I think, very careful pseudo experimental kinds of tests, where a- a- as much as you can is held constant. And what those tests find is that you don't get the results that uh, Jim and Russ have predicted. So you have to ask yourself, what else is going on? And the the other things that are going on are what I call the three P's: uh, prices. Uh, productivity, and profits, okay? Profits are 
uh, redistributed somewhat uh, when minimum wages go up to low-wage workers. I think that's a good thing given the trends that Karen decided. A very interesting and very positive impact is that you find that in the low-wage labor market, a, a part of the economy that's fraught with turnover and vacancies, that goes down significantly. So productivity helps absorb some of the uh, increase as well. And there's some price effects too. But uh, my, my question that I put to the other side, the day after the minimum wage is abolished, what happens to the workers who are making minimum wage now? They keep their jobs. They make less money. That's what you see happening? Yeah. Russ Roberts. I want to ask you to do the following experiment. If you decided to quit your job, you didn't like your job, you were bored, you wanted to try something else, and now you're going to go out in the workplace and find a new job. But the government passes a law that for you to be – when you go to your new job, your new employer has to pay you, say, let's pick a small, relatively small number, 20 percent more than your current job. That's the law. And my question is to my opponents. Do you think that would make it harder for you to find work? Would you be excited about that? I think you'd be scared. I would be. Well, that does it for this special Intelligence Squared U.S. look back on the minimum wage. You can hear the debate in its entirety at iq2us.org. Be sure to join us for our next season of debates. We will be tackling health care, labor unions, and America's relationship with Russia. Dates and tickets are on our website, intelligencesquaredus.org. Thank you so much for listening, and remember to think twice. <laughs>